You're listening to Empath at Work. Come share this space with us as we explore how we harness empathy in life and at work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Empaths at Work. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Amy Duncan, who is the founder and CEO of Moellens, a company we'll be talking a little bit about uh, on the podcast today, and also co-founder and COO of Edit Health. And I have to say, I can't wait for you guys to hear about the ways in which that she's offering opportunities for people to focus on themselves, their health, and really their path forward in life. And uh, it's really a great pleasure that we get to bring her on to the episode today. So without further ado, Amy, again, thank you for being with us here today. Super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I love um, anything you ask me to do, Katie. I'm always in. So it's excited to meet the rest of you and be a part of this. Oh my gosh. Love to hear it. And it's always fun. It's always fun spending a little bit of time with you. So glad to have you here. And without, I guess, skipping a beat, let's jump right into the (laughs) moment of the week. So Amy, um, what is the moment in your life uh, in the past week or so where you've used empathy as a tool? You know, I think... um one that comes to mind is, you know, we're onboarding new people and in particular nurse practitioner um, into um, edit. And most recently, a lot of movement has been happening in that company instead of in Moellens and, and the growth of a startup and raising capital is oftentimes, you know, it's very stressful. Um, But I forget that that my energy and my tone, it infuses into others. And I think it's really easy to forget what other people are going through. And um, in particular, this past week, I had a nurse practitioner who was traveling and um, is is also hasn't left the full-time place of work and moved full-time to edit. So we're really working within two schedules. And it can be very frustrating for both of us to try to coordinate the two um, and, and also to have a personal life in the process. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just really putting myself in her shoes and, and her as well into mine and coming to a, a mutual understanding um, so that we, we can make it work at, during this kind of transition period and, and also just do the best for ourselves and for the business. So We've just had to coordinate probably above and beyond what we normally would. And this past week, it's been stressful, but we were able to get through it by just really, you know, having empathy and and seeing the other perspective. Totally. Well, congratulations on the new addition to the team. And it's it's always tough, right, in those transition moments to remember that we can lean on that tool of empathy because there's often heightened emotions or experiences during transitions anyways. So thanks so much for sharing that. It's a great example of empathy and certainly a reminder of where there might be opportunities to do that myself. Um, And also just the shadow that you cast as a leader. I think that's so mm -hmm. important and like awesome that you recognize that and lead that way to know how, um, how you show up will translate or trickle down to, you know, how your team might feel really cool. Yeah. Thank you. So talking a little bit about leadership, you've 
started two incredible companies, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear a little bit more about them. Can you tell us a little bit, Amy, about kind of creating and starting Moellens and how you focused on infusing empathy into the relationship you have with your dedicated customers at Moellens? Yeah, I mean, I've now been an entrepreneur um, working for myself for nearly six years. And it was interesting. I, I was in healthcare for 15 years total and had worked in a number of different facets of healthcare from medical device to biotech and running a genetics laboratory and, and also to do um, some work in telegenetics and, and tech um, more healthcare IT and, and then consumer driven tech platforms and and then I had an opportunity to move into psychedelics and you know I've always really had this passion for helping people I knew from a very young age that I wanted to work in hospitals and and help people with their health and wellness and when I when I left to start Moellens um six years ago and then then I spent a building the company um, it was very much a passion project for me. Um, I wanted the company to do well, of course, but it was it was so much of a personal personal mission um, because of my personal life at the time um, with my husband, who, my late husband now, who was going through brain cancer, and him using CBD, and that really fueling my my passion and and my purpose um, for helping people through the company. And Moellens has truly been a vehicle for that. And so, you know, running a business and infusing empathy and having empathy being such a core component of the culture of the company, um, that really allows us to put ourselves in the shoes of our consumers. And when we're able to do that, it's almost like these people become family. And mm-hmm. we really witnessed that in that, you know, seeing the, the loyalty and the retention that we have over the years, um, we've been launched now for four and a half years. And, um, you know, we see the names of these people come through and we know them. I, we feel like we know them. And in particular during COVID, Katie knows we, we really went through this um, loyalty and, and retention exercise where we FaceTimed with our, our loyal customers and our, some of our top customers. And we had, we really learned and understood why they, why they purchased from us and what was important to them and what they were going through in their lives that, you know, led them to us and what they liked and what they didn't like about the brand. And it was just so beautiful to kind of get an inside view into their lives and learn because you always see, you know, the the tickets come through or the orders come through or, you know, whatever industry you're in. And you wonder, like, why are you here? You know, so it was very eye opening for us to really get the answers. And, and it really brought the company closer and allowed us to grow even more because we could then touch more people, we felt like we knew what people who they were and what they wanted. And so we were able to relate to more people that way. I'm curious for others that are trying to start their own thing or like infuse empathy within their organization. Like what are some things that 
maybe unintentionally or intentionally that you did to really infuse empathy in Uh violence? Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to knowing your audience. And um, for me, my Moellens has really been built on like a personal need and fulfilling a family need. And so becoming real vulnerable with how I was feeling in my life allowed me to, to kind of dive into and be empathetic for others. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't copywriting an email that was, you know, do you have burnout? It was like, you know, something deeper, like Mm -hmm. the burnout was really affecting my mood you know, on a Wednesday when I thought I could make it through the week with ease. And now I'm hitting a a big obstacle here and I'm trying to just save face, you know? Yeah. So it was things that I would write from a very personal perspective and the team would talk about and, and share their own story. And, you know, by doing that, we would find that a lot of people do mask their emotions and they put on a brave face and, and go to work. And, you know, I think, I think there's a, a delicate balance between being vulnerable and exposing yourself. Mm. We all have mood swings and we all have (laughs) some level of hormone imbalance, right? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we just have to take those days and say, all right, we see you, we feel you. And let's just stay to ourselves. And then other days we have to say, you know, what am I feeling? Is this overwhelmed from everything that I'm encountering this week or this month? And, you know, let's use that as a tool. Because if I'm feeling it, perhaps it's something else. It's something that other people are feeling. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was very personal. But I think that if you're starting a company that perhaps isn't your, you're not your target audience. Mm. And I think it's really important to gather a focus group or, you know, really, really talk to people, dive into some Facebook groups or some Reddit chats and get some insight from people that are your target audience that perhaps you can make it a bit more personal and have an empathetic approach rather than just thinking that you know how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I love Such that. great advice. It struck me as you were speaking, Amy, about your customers and it it came across like, you know, you know them so intimately, uh, you know, their names, their lives. Um, I wonder, was there like, was there anything special that you did in the company that allowed the people who are directly interacting and supporting the customers, that platform to tell their stories back to the people in the organization who might not have that face-to-face interaction with them? Um, You know, it was interesting because from the beginning, I always wanted a loyalty program. I always wanted to, you know, incentivize, but also just say thank you to the people Mm -hmm. that purchased from us. And so, and and also they were very much engaged in my personal life. So I always felt like, you know, them following me on social media and hearing my story and my journey with my then husband. um, And then after he passed me, just going completely silent and not wanting to share 
and that being almost like a darkness and a void in the company because they very much related to me through through that platform. But I always felt that it was a one-way street, you know, like they would watch my story and comment or, or direct message. And and then, of course, I would write back. But like, it's re I really, they were commenting on my life. It wasn't like they were sharing theirs, you know? So when COVID hit, we really had this opportunity that um, rather than continuing to grow wholesale, which wasn't really an option, you know, in the, in the retail and spa space, we really needed to pivot back to direct to consumer. And it gave us almost a, a chance to pause. Obviously, people really needed help with their stress and anxiety and depression and all of that. So we didn't have a lull in business by any means, but which I was grateful for, but we also had some resources freed up where we could say, let's really um, create, we started by creating really a loyalty program and a process for incentivizing people. And then we created a survey to just engage people who wanted to engage with us. And we gave them the option to have a one-on-one -on -one call with us and, and dive deeper into some of the things they liked and disliked or you know, wanted to share about their own personal personal journey with CBD. And we really just opened up the, the forum and the floor for them to speak. And it didn't cost us much, you know, we just ran a simple Google form survey and did Zoom video and, and it was very eye-opening. And I would say, you know, it really changed the landscape of, of our understanding and our empathy towards the community. Incredible. And I, I think what I took away from that the most is that it doesn't need to cost a lot to get closer to your customers if you truly want to do that um, at scale even, right? And I think it's just about reaching out and giving them the opportunity to tell their stories and to come in and tell you what they like and what they don't like about their experiences. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things as a, as a founder and really it's just someone who really likes design and the brand aesthetic is so important. It's oftentimes hard to like roll up your sleeves and say, all right, we're going to put together a Google form and send it out you know, in a link and just a text email and it's not designed. And oftentimes that's the most, you know, engaged with and, and um, highly converting email and, it's just, it works and it's yeah. raw, it's vulnerable and it doesn't cost that much. So I think like not overthinking it is probably more important than trying to make it perfect. That's just a good lesson for life oh, yeah. too, right? Yeah. <laughs> just not overthinking it and, and going with what you believe is going to be a good option and good outcome for what you're looking for. And, you know, I think, um, one of the other things that that I really wanted to get into is is this path to the second startup. Wellness has been a success, and now you're on to the next with Edit Health. So, tell us a little bit about the path to kind of discovering and creating Edit Health. Yeah, well, Wellness, I've had it now, like I said, for four and a half years, and I bootstrapped it. So I originally invested around 150,000 and built the brand and we launched with five products and we were very much geared towards ingestibles and then two skincare products. 
And, um, and then we launched 12 more skincare products due to demand in the spa space. Wow. We did that in 2020 and that required further investment. And so it, it's been 100% um, me on the cap table from day one. And, you know, there's a lot that comes with that, you know, people always applaud this, the sole founder. And I would say that the grit and determination and, you know, the stamina and all of those words that are in the strength finders book <laughs> definitely required. Um, but I, I've always had a vision, like I've wanted to kind of do it all, if you will. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to raise capital for Moellens and I decided I would hold on to it and grow it for a few more years. And then who knows, maybe make an exit, maybe just continue to grow it. And then after um, my husband passed, I, I really was burnt out to be honest. And it was the only thing that kept me going. And I just knew that people were counting on me. And so there is, there, there was a lot of burnout associated with Moellens. And I, I just have to be honest in saying yeah. that, you know, and, um, and running a company as a sole founder is very challenging. And just like with the ups and downs of the team growing and then, um, you know, leaning out and growing again and leaning out. And so when I had an opportunity I hadn't consulted for anyone in six years and I just wanted to kind of shake it up a bit, you know, so I took an opportunity to consult with a psychedelics company and this was pretty deep in the, this a state of depression for me, actually it was like probably three quarters of the way through and and the psychedelics company, I was never a recreational psychedelics user. So it was something that was very interesting to me. And when they first brought me on board, they were like, do you want to try the experience? And I was like, oh, no, no, you know, I'm fine. I like my brain the way it, way it is. And then I got, I had a day where I was like, I liked my brain the way it was until I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was like, some, someone, something, please help. And I dosed myself with CBD at a pretty heavy dose and definitely cut through the anxiety that I had. And that was, that was amazing. And I finally realized what it was to live without an, a voice, like, you know, the, the voice in your head that's like tapping on your shoulder, telling you the worst things. And I said, wow, some people don't have this and that's incredible. And I silenced it. And um, you know, but I didn't want to continue to dose myself with CBD. I really wanted to, to develop some new neural pathways that were strong and that could be lasting. And so I actually did the psychedelic ketamine experience and it was really life-changing for me. And so I met my now business partner in December of last year, and it was very serendipitous, our meeting, but he had been in psychedelics for the past seven years and, you know, was very much a yin to my yang in business. And I knew the moment that I met him that he was. And so, and he had experience raising capital and I had an opportunity to join the company I was consulting for, but something in the back of my head was like, 
you need to do this on your own. This is another very purpose-filled mission for you. And it was really a combination of all things that I had done in my career. So I decided that I would not take the full-time role and leave the consulting role. And, and then in, um, in March, we began building out the new company and now we're in a fundraising round, raising 3 million and building a company in a different way has been incredible. And having an amazing partner has been incredible. And, you know, it's really just reignited my fire for helping people again, but having the the bandwidth and, you know, the strength and the mental capacity to help people again. So it's so exciting, Amy. Seriously. Thank you. It's also like when you were talking about with starting your first company, the burnout and part one question I had in mind was like, is it possible not to have burnout when starting a company? And it sounds like this second time around, you're not experiencing burnout uh, based on how you're kind of building the company. Is that fair to say? Or, I mean, yeah, I, I do think it's fair to say if any phase of a company lasts for too long, there will yeah. be some burnout associated with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we stay in a fundraising round for too long, there's burnout associated with that. And if you're focusing on hiring for too long, it's burnout with that. And so I think it's only natural to have that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that capital changes things. Obviously, you know, raising 3 million and hiring a team right out of the gate is much different than, than bootstrapping and having to grow for three months before you feel comfortable bringing someone on. And it's just a different animal, you know, and all together. Yeah. And I think that burnout is very natural. It's all I just say that, you know, for startups in particular, I don't know if it's just the entrepreneurial nature of me or perhaps others, but I think it just overflows and, and into your personal life. And it's almost like such your identity that that's where the burnout comes in. It's when there's no divide or switch off mm -hmm. and it's on your mind a hundred percent of the time. So I think it's only, only natural that you better find some way to switch it off. Otherwise you're the your candle is burning and the time is ticking away, you know? Yeah. It's a really good point. As you were saying that a lot of memories came flooding back in. Cause I absolutely relate to that. Um, I, I was working at a fintech startup where I started when they were in the seed round and then I, ex I exited when they were at about Series C. And that was all in the span of 18 months. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, wow, I can't believe it's only been 18 months because you give so much of yourself and things move so quickly in a startup mm -hmm. environment and you know your job scope's very very fluid <laughs> if there is one um, and it was such an experience for me that I, I actually had the company logo tattooed on my wrist uh, because it was just that that much of a defining experience um, so everything that you said about you know how much of yourself you give and the fact that it kind of intertwines itself into your personal life and becomes part of your identity I really related to yeah I love that you shared that because it, the the founder of the lab had 
uh, the name of the lab tattooed on his forearm. And it, really, oh, cool. it becomes part of you. And I think that what's challenging now is people really do want work-life balance. And mm -hmm. I haven't had that for so long. And I finally have started to find that really last year. And it's, and it's operating at a slower pace, but a much smarter pace. And I would say I probably, I, I would say I get more done um, because I work in, in sprints and I, you know, very much am organized with what needs to happen. And I don't sit down to do a large strategy exercise until I've had a few days to kind of noodle with it and figure out what needs to be done. And it's a slower pace of life, which I'm not sure if I, if I like it quite yet, but it's challenging because people are wanting work-life balance. And so for me to be full on, you know, I might as well have had a tattoo of the company on my cheek. <laughs> and, and people really don't want that anymore. You know, they want to be excited and they want to be passionate and find purpose and fulfillment, but they also want a personal life. And I think that's, that life is only, you know, fully fulfilled with a, a well-rounded, you know, life and a community and, and play and creativity and hobbies. And whether those cross into work or not, there has to be a balance. And it can be a balance that's in sprints and then slow and sprints and then slow, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I had to really find that help the right people and infuse that into this culture. That's such wise words in terms of just thinking about how you design your life and how you think about creating the right culture for your team, knowing what they want and what they're looking for. I think it's hard in the mental health space in particular because yeah. people are dealing with other people's brains. And it's such a delicate organ. Mm -hmm. And I really like to keep that, you know, sacred nature of what we're doing. And it's very personal. And sometimes if you get into a transactional method with it, you know, mindset, it doesn't, it doesn't land you know, yeah. and, and what we're doing, it's, it's opening people up, it's allowing people to surrender. And it's opening and, and helping people change their lives for the better and live optimal lives. And when you have that opportunity, you really have to embody that yourself. And so, yeah, it's just so important that we just don't forget that, you know, shifting the brain biology is, is challenging. And it's also very delicate and we need to go about it just never forgetting that. And so the work that we do, it, it needs to be fulfilling, but also there has to be a method to recharge. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Amy, I think it's so inspiring for you as a, as a girl boss to, to, you know, set that example for so many other 
girls today who might be listening thinking, oh, wow, that's what I want to do too. I want to help people and I want to start a company to do that. Um, if you could give yourself, you know, now that you're many years into your, your co-founder journey, if you could give yourself advice or you could give, you know, someone who's thinking about it, give them or what's to come or what they can do better to be prepared for that journey that they're about to embark on, what would you tell them? Mm, that's a good question. I think from a very young age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and it's easy to want to force that into your life. And it's even easy. It's, it's You're more inclined to want to force it into your life as you get older, when you start disliking the work that you do, you think, oh, I'll just leave and start my own, you know, and, and that's very, that's justified in some cases. But mm -hmm. I think that in particular, you know, in, in full transparency, I think that, that a lot of women were, were being, were being shaped by messages that we may not really understand that it's shaping us. And a lot of it is about empowering women. And a lot of it about, about it is, is like women in the workplace and standing up and having your voice be heard and knowing your value. And while I believe all of that is true and that, that it's very important for us to do that, I think that, you know, we do want strong men and, and some anger I feel is being developed in women in the workplace. And I sit down with a lot of women who want to start their own thing. And I just feel this anger coming through and, and then perhaps wondering why they're not getting hired or why they're disgruntled at their job. And, and I have to say that I've been there and I've, ha I've, I've, ha I've worked with, with men that I'm like, damn, I'm taking on a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm the, I'm the definition of attention to detail. And if I wasn't here, this place wouldn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. And and then I had to zoom out from that. And I had to say, you know, there's a reason why there's a there's a man's world of business. And there's, you know, this this communication that they have that like is different and less emotional than how women communicate. Um, so I think that the key the key point i would make about just women trying to start their own thing i think it's amazing and i highly recommend it and support working for yourself and being an entrepreneur for me it really took an alignment of my personal life it took a very passion like purpose-filled personal journey for me and it wasn't a decision around like what am i going to be as an entrepreneur it was like I was studying something and I was doing what I was had envisioned for my life and my career in healthcare and going along that. And when a door would open, I would, you know, evaluate what door, whether it was a test. And then I would perhaps go that way. And then there came a time where, you know, my life truly turned upside down. And, and I was like, wow, CBD is what I've been studying. And I have a true passion and my husband uses it and, you know, I'm, I understand the plant biology very well. And so it wasn't, there was no real risk or, you know, any abrasion around taking that step. 
it was just like, and I had launched five products with the lab really kind of single-handedly. So the art of execution in terms of turning something on from, from just an idea to commercialization, that was that I had done many times. So it wasn't like I was just going into something completely blind. So I would say a combination of really, really having a personal, you know, passion around it. It doesn't have to be personal that it's tied to your life, but what is your why? Because I think that no matter what, if, if the why isn't there, the burnout will quickly come. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think, you know, if the why is around resentment or, you know, some of these negative emotions, then that why will quickly fizzle out as well. So I just think like before you really take the leap and, and I'm sure understanding the financial pieces is, is also super important, but, um, really knowing why you're doing it and what you want to accomplish and what is the vision, it'll eliminate a lot of fear and it shouldn't feel like, you know, really any fear, um, if it's the right thing for you. What's so interesting, I'm just kind of reflecting on our conversation thus far. And I think the word I would use is intentionality or being intentional because the way that you talk about ideas, concepts, the research that you do, the decisions that you make, there seems to be such intention behind that. And one of the things that I admire most about Muellen's is how close to the earth that you keep your products. Um, I would love if you would talk a little bit about the farm and your journey there, because that was something that when we've talked, you know, previously, I I was so impressed by your, your desire to keep these products as close to the earth as you can. Yeah. So from, from day one, I wanted to grow our own hemp and it was almost like it was a movement in the hemp space. So it wasn't anything like revolutionary that I wanted to grow my own hemp, but I did talk about it for a little while. And I I like to say that the gray areas of life will kill you. And so talking about it will only do you good for so long. And I started to, you know, talk about it. And then after a while, I said, okay, I really need to either do this or just stop talking about it altogether. And initially, I couldn't, we couldn't really afford to buy any didn't know how to navigate the permitting and all of that. And I didn't have the bandwidth to look into it. But then when COVID hit and after um, Chris had passed, I, I was like, you know what, I just need something new. And let's see if that farm is the right thing. So I knew that four hours was my maximum distance to drive because I used to drive to a lake house growing up and it was four hours away. And I knew like at four hours and one minute, I wanted to get out of that car. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not driving more than four hours. So I um, found a few properties outside of Kings Canyon National Park and in Pinehurst, California. And I drove up and one of them had a Cardinal red deck on it. And so obviously with my husband who played for the Cardinals, like that was very important to me, like those signs, you know, that I was getting. And, and then it turns out that the, the father had passed away in his thirties and the mother raised the kids there. And so it was very much like, okay, I think I'm on the right path here, but this is not the house 
Um, I was going to have to tear down the trees and stuff. And anyway, and then went to the second property and it was this, this older man. He was 80 in his eighties and so proud of the land and drove me around in the four wheeler and picked any weed that was in the road and picked the sticks out and um, was just really proud of what he had built. And he had the vision for it, but as he got older, he really didn't have the time or, or money mm -hmm. to invest in it. And I said, you know, what are you going to do if you don't come here every day? And there were eight, there were eight longhorn cattle and two horses on the property. And when I said that to him, he kind of just stuttered like, um, uh, uh, and I looked over and I could tell like, he wants to come here every day, whether he owns it or not. <laughs> and so I said, Oh, I go, you want to come like, you want to still come here every day? He's like, well, I, I live right down the road, you know? And I said, well, you can still come here every day. So leave these animals here and we got a deal. And he's like, all right. So he takes care of it while I'm not there. And I started studying regenerative agriculture and it used to be an orange grove and I did some soil testing there and there's 3% organic matter still in the soil, which is, I mean, it's decent for not having anything grown on it. It does have a cover crop that keeps it, you know, shaded. So the sun isn't just beating on the soil, but mm -hmm. the soil does need to be regenerated. And, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to. We got our hemp permit, um, last year, but didn't grow because the soil wasn't ready. And I'm going to build it out to redo the barn and be an Airbnb property. And we'll do retreats there. And, and eventually we'll grow, you know, some of the botanicals that are used in the products and perhaps we'll grow hemp even. And yeah, we'll have, you know, very nutrient dense soil, which produces, you know, very nutrient dense products. Mm -hmm. That is so exciting. What has been, I guess, maybe like your favorite lesson that you learned on the farm? Because I imagine mm -hmm. that's such a new space, I'm assuming, you know, yeah, and taking care of a farm. Yeah. Yeah. Last summer I went out there and I lived out there for two months by myself. And of course, you know, I'm five, four blonde and I was pretty scared and I had my dad come out from Missouri and I was like, dad, can you just please tell me if this place is safe for me? And he did. He drove all the way out from Missouri and he checked it out. And he was like, this is safe. You're good. So I stayed out there for two months and it was just so interesting to see the cattle and the horses interact and how they moved about the land and their patterns and, you know, how at sunrise you can catch them underneath the tree in the front of the property. And then as the day goes on, they migrate down the hill and then they're on the backside of the hill. And then at sunset, they move to the lower parcel. And it was just really, really interesting to get a feel for the animals and their natural habitat and being able to see them at all hours of the day. And you know, my circadian rhythm adapted to waking up at 445 when the sun started wow. to break. And, um, and then, you know, I, I really started to bond with the land. And at first, I just thought I could go out there and just do whatever I wanted. You know, I bought a, a greenhouse and I put it on the side of the hill that had the most Instagrammable view and they <laughs> 
in and they were like, are you sure you want it right here? And I said, yeah, why not? You know? And they were like, well, why are you putting it out here? I said, what's well, beautiful, you know? And they were like, all right, you know, do you get any winds? <laughs> I said, any what? And they were like, any winds or storms? I was like, I don't really know, you know? Then two days later, a windstorm came through and ripped it down. The steel just ripped to shreds. Oh, the no. The other side of the parcel. And it was so humbling. It's like, you know, the, the earth has a way of running itself. And this little piece of of earth that I was given to care for. I thought I could just go in as a human, just like plant my whatever I wanted and like put my stake in the ground. Like I'm here and you're going to do what I want. And then it was like, no, Amy, this is what I do. You know, (laughs) I was like, all right. Okay. So I very much learned and was humbled by that. And I just became, you know, a steward of the land, like it can teach me whatever I need to learn. And we're going to kind of work through this together. And I think it became a very beautiful bond in that way. That's so special. I remember seeing the, the images on Instagram and of that, the greenhouse just flying. And I mean, mother nature is pretty incredible. And if you listen close enough, you can learn some really valuable lessons. So it's pretty cool. I feel like we've had such a good opportunity just like in this short period of time to learn more about you, which has been so fascinating. But like I'm learning that you are like some of like the foundational things about you is like you're curious the amount of things that you've learned. Holy smokes. (laughs) Talking about like soil regeneration, like super impressive and just the fact that you're vulnerable and, you know, putting yourself out there and also I don't know if it's like being brave or courage, but you know, you've are just ambitious of putting yourself out there, not putting yourself out there, but saying like, I'm going to do this and figuring out the way that you're going to get there and continuously trying new things and experimenting. It's really impressive just to learn more about you and hear about your journey and what you've been able to create. Yeah. Thank you. I, I would say one of my favorite things is to, learn new things, you know, and to learn from other people and learn from the land and, and the animals on the land. And yeah, that's a very good point. I think like curiosity is the beauty of life and just like continuing to like, just go through the doors and, and meet new people and talk to strangers and, and all the things because the spontaneity is where we feel the most alive. And yeah, yeah, I will never be one to say that I know it all. I will, you know, please teach me everything because I just like to do and yeah. not, you know, look back and be like, well, I wish I would have done that, you know? So yeah, yeah just take taking the leaps has really been enjoyable for me. And look where it's taken you. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really fun. is. So Amy, before we kind of wrap up today's conversation, Let's talk a little bit about Moreland's products because I have to say, since I've been introduced to them, I'm completely obsessed. I use the mud mask at least once or twice a week and they are so nourishing. And this is really just a good reminder for myself to go and buy more products. So tell us about your favorite products and the current offering. I mean, we're not asking you to call any of your children ugly by any means, but what would you say are your favorite (laughs) products in the line? 
I know that's really a hard question. Um, I love live from within and especially, you know, in times that you're feeling really overwhelmed or burnt out, which was for me, it was on Tuesday when I got back from vacation, which I did visit a regenerative farm, which we'll have to talk about that at another point. But um, yeah, when I got back on Tuesday, I was just, I think the emotion that really came up for me was just overwhelmed. And what I end up doing for, for times when I feel overwhelmed is I take a half a dropper of lip from within and I do it every hour until I feel like it's cut through any feelings of overwhelm or burnout or, you know, racing thoughts and, and, you know, anxiety. And it just, I'm so grateful that I know, I know exactly what's in it, obviously. Um, and it's clean and it's organic and, you know, from regenerative uh, farming. And so I love the effects of that. And people tell us all the time, really, that we have really some of the best CBD ingestibles. And I'm really happy because they're just really effective and lit from within is my favorite ingestible. And then on the skincare side, I mean, living cleanse is obviously the first step in your skincare routine. It's just a, such a nice, smooth formula. It's not too heavy, like some thick cream cleansers, but yet it's not an oil, which sometimes leaves like a residue on the skin. Um, so it's a really nice consistency. And, and I just love that product. And then like for an everyday moisturizer, botanical dew is really nice as well. I love that. And can you tell listeners where they can find Moellens and find you? Yeah, so we're on Instagram and our website is moellens.com. It's M-O-W-E-L-L-E-N-S.com. And that comes from Missouri and wellness, a little play on the two, because I'm from Missouri originally. I actually never knew that. That is so clever. I love fact. it. Yeah. It is a fun fact. Well, Amy, I have to say, this has been one of my favorite conversations on the podcast. It's so cool to see how you've grown your business businesses at this point. And I can't wait to see where the journey takes you. Um, so listeners, if you are looking to learn more about um, Amy or Moellens, uh, yeah, yeah. do you, you want can, people to reach? On, on pers- personally on Instagram, I'm uh, at livingduncan, D-U-N-C-A-N. And I don't share as much as I used to, but I'm getting there. I'm getting a little bit more, you know, sharing my life more on stories more than anything. It's just a lot of work, you know, sometimes. And I just like to share what's true. I don't like to really curate my my content or my day. So you get what you get if you come on there. <laughs> feeling pretty good. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Amy, thank you so much. This has really been a treat. Yeah, so yeah. impressive. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to Ew, also known as Empaths at Work. We want you to engage in the conversation. Leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the episode description. Now for the fine print. The opinions expressed in these podcasts are our personal opinions and don't necessarily reflect the views of any companies we are associated with as working women. That's all.